morning crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto, Andrew, also known as the Cashflow King, and we got NFT Tones joining us on this Monday, so I'm very excited for today's show. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how the SEC is set to approve a United States Ethereum ETF this fall, citing October as a key month for approval. As co-founder Vitalik Buterin deposits 600 Ethereum onto Coinbase this weekend, is this an indicator a price dump is on the way? MasterCard, Ripple, and six other crypto companies are teaming up to create a CBDC forum, bringing the largest companies on the planet to, uh, together to develop the future of finance. As Ripple is waiting on a bombshell moment for their on-demand liquidity system, we break down the details, showing our community how American institutions are creating the greatest opportunity of our era. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, today is a very exciting day for a couple of reasons, my friend. We're going to be talking about Bank of America and the bombshell moment we're waiting for with Ripple. But also we got some Ethereum news our listeners should be aware of. Before we get into that, how are you feeling? Thanks for being here. Well, it sounds like we got a lot of news out there, Al, but I just want to say good morning to the Warrior Maniacs who show up every single day. I love you guys. And appreciate you guys. And boy, what a beautiful day it is today, Abs. The sun is shining bright. The water's warm. It's a beautiful thing. I just want to say hello to our brothers. We got, we got also, what do we got here? Andrew and Tones in the house. Awesome to see you guys. Can't wait to hop into it. Cashflow King, I'm always excited for these Mondays because we get two days of prep for these shows. So we bring the content for sure. But how are you feeling? Thanks for being here. Hey, uh, good morning, uh, everybody. Good evening. Good afternoon. Uh, it's uh, five. Uh, 16 p.m. here in the Netherlands. I'm always happy to be in the show. Uh, it, it, it keeps me sharp. Apps is always bringing the best articles there are. So happy to see you, Apps, uh, Johnny, uh, Tones. Uh, let's make a great show today. We're excited to see you as well, Andrew. And we got NFT Tones in the building. So Tones, we're going to talk NFTs at some point during the show. But how are you feeling? Thanks for being here. I'm excited to be here. Uh, it's great to be here. I was on time, so nobody can rip on me for being late this time. Um, yeah, let's talk about NFTs. I'm excited to, to bring the heat today with the NFTs. We're proud of you, Tones. Congratulations, my friend. You did your job. But we're going to get this thing started the same way we always do by checking out our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. When we look at the crypto bubbles for today, we've got mostly red across the board. ARK is up about 6% and Rune Token down about 10%. When we look at the total coin market cap this morning, we are sitting at $1.06 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 48% dominant. Ethereum is about 19%. We've got Bitcoin sitting at 26,000. Ethereum, 1,600. XRP is 52 cents. And Cardano is sitting at 26 cents this morning. And Johnny Crypto, there's a lot of speculation about where we are in these market cycles today. And I thought this is a chart all of our listeners should be aware of. So blockchain backers, great for TA, put out this price chart over the weekend. On the bottom here, you can see that he's comparing the total market cap Bitcoin's market cycle and where XRP is today. And he's drawing the correlation that we are right on the precipice of a much larger breakout here, Johnny's. But 
Before we get your take, we got 165 live listeners already here on this Monday. Show us some love, smash that like button, and get ready for some bombshells when it comes to Ripple's ODL system. But give me your take, Johnny. Do you agree with BCB? Are we on the precipice of a much larger market cycle or dark days ahead for XRP? Well, I mean, it certainly looks like it. When you look at the charts right there, listen, you have to go down before you can go up. I try to tell everybody that all the time. Everybody just wants to get in this thing of up, up, up. But you have to remember something. The reason why markets go up is because smart money buys it when it's down. If it doesn't go down, it ain't ever going up because they need to get in it low and then, and then go high. This is where we're headed right now. Look at those charts, Abs. We're like at the precipice right now. This is the buying time. This is where you would literally say when you look at those charts that this wouldn't be such a bad time to DCA in before that next leg up. And listen, we all kind of know that the halving is coming within, you know, six to nine months from now, right? Somewhere around April, May, June of, uh, of, uh, or yeah, yeah, April, May, March, April, May, somewhere in that team of next year, right? So if you go back and look at historically, you kind of see a, a dip right before, one last dip before we get that monster run that's coming. So for me, this is, um, I look at it abs and I ain't going to lie. I mean, I've said it to you and I said on the show that I hope we do see a 15,000 BTC one more time, because to me, it will be that, that validation of that final double tap before we start to go up. But I don't know if we're going to get that low, but to me right now, this is definitely uh, not a bad time to be looking at some DCA. Andrew, this is a price chart. I wanted to show people as well, because every single time Bitcoin goes up, we get massive pullbacks in the process. And this is an illustration from 2017 showing that when we went from about $900 to $20,000, we still had one, two, three, four, five, six pullbacks that were 29% or greater in that process. And that just shows you how this market moves. Even when we're bullish, we get these humongous pullbacks. So before we get into our content for today, what do you think this is an indicator of when it comes to market cycles? Yeah, you know, that is actually within the, 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 the bigger cycle, there are smaller cycles. And that's exactly what we use in the, in the smart investor uh, uh, community. We make use of those smart, smaller pullbacks and then go in and go out and go in and go out. So you buy on the way down and you sell on the way up. And that you can do additionally with your back that you're holding for the bigger portion. So you can just yeah, move it, uh, yeah, your, 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 your Bitcoin or whatever you have, move it in two sections, 50% you hold and uh, yeah, you, you, you keep and hold and the other 50% you can trade with. And it's so much fun. As soon as you start understanding the cycles, you, you know, we already lived a couple of those cycles and uh, yeah, it gives gives a lots of lots of profit possibilities. So I, you know, I can I can tell a lot more about also the the, the largest cycles, what will happen. But I see you're already waiting for the next uh, uh, video. So uh, go ahead, uh, Eps. We got a lot of exciting content to show today, guys. And this is a video I'm very excited to show our listeners. We already got 198 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And this is an interview that DAI put out on his Twitter account, illustrating how Bank of America is the bombshell moment many of our XRP holders are waiting for. The day after the judge ruled, somebody had tweeted um, uh, on Twitter According to summary judgment, our ODL, which is on-demand liquidity, which used to be called XRAPID, our ODL-related sales now considered securities. David Schwartz from Ripple answered this. And here's what David said, and I want to share it with everyone that, that's here on this call because 
I speak with members every day and I, and I like to share this. And then I'd like to have your response to, to how you feel about this, John. So David's response was, and I quote, we're still figuring this out. We don't currently have ODL related sales with a U.S. nexus and not being able to do so is not really a huge deal. We can still do ODL in the U.S. so long as XRP is never sourced from Ripple. And, and before I ask you to respond, I just want to emphasize that the original uh, use case for XRP in a payment stream of using RippleNet was called XRapid, which is now ODL, but it was originally designed where the user would buy and sell their XRP through exchanges and not source it from Ripple at all. What are your feelings? Do you think that financial institutions in the U.S. can use XRP currently? And do you think anybody will do it? So before we get a response here from John Deaton, Johnny Crypto, I wanted to kick it over to you because what caught my attention is I said this to Frederick Raspoli last Wednesday. We often use this, this lawsuit as an excuse for Ripple's ODL system not being adopted in the United States. But what did this video just highlight here? After the ruling, there's no dispute. If you go to a third party, you can use the ODL system. And David Schwartz actually responded on Twitter and said something very similar. There's almost nothing preventing American banks and financial firms from using XRP and Ripple's ODL right now. So what do you think is preventing a lot of these American institutions from using Ripple's ODL system? Cost. So typically, if they're going to go and they're going to buy it on the open market and they're going to buy, I don't know, a billion worth of XRP, that's going to drive the price through the roof, right? They're not going to do that. Normally, when they need to, when when a company, at least in the stock market world, wants to buy something, you go and you buy it, you know, on dark pool, not dark pools, but I forgot what it's called. It's like aftermarket lump sum, big numbers directly from the supplier or the source. And you get a discounted price. Well, that can't happen right now. You just heard him say, Swartz said they can do it as long as they don't buy it from Ripple. But the problem is they're going to want it. The big sources are going to, or the big partners, institutions would most likely want to buy from Ripple because they can buy it at a discounted price. But they can't right now because of the ruling. So to me, I actually do see that as somewhat problematic. I think they're, they're uh, sugarcoating this thing. And I don't like sugarcoating. You know me, I take the, Take that turd polish and throw that shit out. I want the truth. And the truth is, I think that is going to um, hamper some of the bigger players that may want to come into it because they're not going to want to drive the price up and buy it at a higher price. So that's just my two cents, my eight cents. I could be wrong. Um, now, again, you're right, Abs. They can, and I think some will go and buy it you know, from third parties and exchanges, but I do think it does uh, hamper it a bit. What's your John Deaton has to say? until the case is completed well i think they're right listen you know when you when when the first decision came out i did a live stream and it was just with a couple hours after the decision and i said the only thing that i saw was you know the judge grouped odl into institutional cells and you know technically they're 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 not investing because they're using it as a bridge currency and all those things, and they don't own it uh, outright. They're not relying on the ripple of efforts because it's seconds later. They don't have it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and so, you know, no one can ever say a decision is going to be perfect. And so, but I agree with David Schwartz, and that's why I don't think Ripple's that concerned because 
as long as Bank of America isn't purchasing it directly from Ripple, mm -hmm. they can use it. Uh, they can certainly uh, purchase it uh, off Coinbase or Uphold or somewhere like that um, and use it how they see fit that way and then resell it. And so... And that's really what I wanted to highlight there, Johnny. That's what's preventing XRP from being utilized in the United States. It's not the fact that they can't use the ODL system. It's that there's these legal hurdles right now. And I think people are just figuring out how they can get themselves set up behind the scenes before they make these public announcements. But guys, we already got 222 live listeners here joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And the reason I'm showing that video is that I wanted to connect it to this article right here. And I think what's so important is this is an article from 2018, but it goes to show what the plan was before we saw any of these retail investors put their two cents in. So this is Citibank, Ripple, and their ODL system highlighted in a banking document from 2018. What Citibank is trying to illustrate here is how cross-border payments can become seamless if you have a pool of liquidity sitting between these banks. Now, what's great about this illustration is that they not only used Ripple's ODL system, they used XRP as the pool of liquidity for this illustration. And that's where this whole thing is going, Johnny. Once we get American banks using this product, we will see them sit on large amounts of XRP for pools of liquidity. And this is somebody all of our listeners should know, Joseph Endosa from Link2, giving his two cents on where these banks are going to be leveraging XRP. You would expect large institutions, financial institutions, certainly like Bank of America, to transact. I think it was actually quite timely and maybe fully intended uh, that Ripple created and introduced this liquidity hub product. Because what I'd be doing if I were in Ripple's shoes today is I'd be integrating liquidity hub into the RippleNet product. So every user of RippleNet, like Bank of America, would simply port into liquidity hub as the means of obtaining and managing that XRP position that they need to work through ODL, right? Liquidity Hub is just a massive, um, you know, smart router engine. It has feeds to uh, accounts that Ripple has opened across all the liquidity venues around the world. Basically, virtually every exchange where there is depth of liquidity, it has accounts at. So if I'm Bank of America, I. I become a liquidity hub customer and on any given moment or, you know, where I need, you know, pick a number, a billion dollars worth of XRP to transact. I plug that into liquidity hub and liquidity hub will break that billion dollars up into fractions and route them for execution and closing across all the exchanges to get the optimal average acquisition price for XRP. So you're talking about banks becoming automated market makers, Andrew. I just want to give your two cents and then I'll give mine. What stuck out to you most about these two videos? Yeah, you know, it is, it is so obvious what's happening here. And, and, and even the, this liquidity hook makes so much sense. And you know what, what will happen um, if you lower the threshold for parties to, to join on this liquidity hook, for example, in the past, Internet access was difficult, you know, with your with, with the fixed phone line, and so so also that was lowered. But we will see for on-demand liquidity, the, the the thresholds will be lowered. And I can even imagine that in the future there are even not only banks but other 
parties that do a lot of uh, uh, money transfers will also uh, uh, um, yeah, go into this liquidity hub, connect with the liquidity hub. Of course, you need to make, make some software, but this is, this is the future of, of money, liquid money. And, 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 and XRP is creating here yeah, the, 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 the standard. And I hope, yeah, they, they, uh, they, they will continue with that. And, and yeah, it is the, it's the nail on the coffin of the, of the regular banking system. So either the regular banking system, they either join or they fail. And that, that's the fun part. And that's why we are in, uh, in crypto. Johnny, I'd like to get your two cents as well. Once these banks make a shift, anybody operating in the old system is going to be left behind. And this is what Ripple is illustrating in their latest presentation on their API stack integration. Now, this is a screenshot I'm just showing from the presentation as a whole. What I thought was so interesting, Johnny, is look at the names they used as examples. Bank of America, Santander, Standard Charter, and Westpac were all included in this presentation now, we know that doesn't mean they're partnering with them or using them, but I think it shows how big their goals are. I'd like to give your, get your two cents. Well, I mean, they certainly put a solution in place that solves the problem that the banking industry has. So don't be surprised that you're seeing them tied with banking names and banks looking at them. They should be. They're bringing in a solution that can solve the problem. To me, the one question still remains is exactly what I kind of brought up earlier and Joe Adoso kind of explained a potential solution around not being able to buy directly from Ripple at a discount would be to go to the liquidity hub. The question is, when you go to buy a billion XRP, what's that going to do to the price? I don't care that it's spread amongst the liquidity hub. It's still going to actually, this guy asked a great question. He says here, won't that create more demand for XRP if they're buying? Yeah, exactly. It's going to create more demand. It's going to drive the price up. And what did Mark Yosko tell you? banks and institutions want to do when they buy something? Do they want to buy it at the highest price possible or the lowest price possible? Exactly. Lower price. The lowest price. So, so they don't want to go and create demand. That would be a bad thing because it's going to drive up their price. And so therefore that to me is still the question that I think we need to see answered is, you know, how can they go about? So here's the question. Are banks willing to pay the higher price on the liquidity hub? Or would they rather say, ah, no, you know what? We'll just wait until we can figure this whole thing out and buy from Ripple at a lower price, which then can hamper it. And that's, I don't say I know the answer. I'm just saying as an engineer, that's where I see the crux of the problem. And only time is going to tell whether they're willing to spend a little higher price or maybe a lot higher price to buy it. That's what we need to see. However, Johnny, be be aware that you only need this XRP for seconds. Doesn't matter. Work. Doesn't matter if I have to buy a billion of it. I'm driving up the price <laughs> at that moment in time. Whether I need it for seconds or I still have to buy it, create the demand. It means I have to buy it at a higher price. And I'm not. In fact, that's even worse. If I only need it for seconds and I'm driving the price up and I'm selling it at a higher price and it's dropping and I'm losing money. So. You know, I see what I mean. It's 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 a challenge, in my opinion. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I but it's partnerships like these that I think are even more important, Johnny Crypto. The Digital Pound Foundation congratulated Mastercard and Ripple on their collaboration this weekend. But guys, we got 255 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And look at this latest update out of the Digital Pound Foundation. Now, before I even tell you what they said about Mastercard, it's important to know that the Digital Pound Foundation is collaborating with Ripple 
to build a central bank digital currency. Now they're congratulating MasterCard and Ripple as they announced a group of leading technology and blockchain innovators are joining a payment provider service and a CBDC partner program. This is including Digital Pound Foundation members, Ripple, and Fireblocks. And what's so important about Fireblocks, guys, is this is where Bill Hinman is actually sitting today. So we are going to see consensus, which is Ethereum, Ripple, which means Brad Garlinghouse, Chris Larson, and Fireblocks, which means Bill Hinman working together on CBDCs. And Andrew, the question that I had for Johnny on Friday was, are they all friends behind the scenes or, or what's really going on here? You tell me. Um, your net worth is your, is your network. That's what's happening. And all those people, they know each other. Absolutely. And I even can't imagine that also uh, Gary Gensler is also in that network. And, and they know more about each other. But to, to the outside world, they, they show you something different. But that's why we always say, do not do what they say. Do, do, do what they do. And, and, and you know, it, it's, it's all about getting an advantage in knowledge before uh, the, the, the general public knows something. And yeah, for me, it's clear these people all know each other and already for years. Yeah. And Andrew, this is another indicator of that. It says this is the CEO, Michael Mich I love how he put his pronouns in his Twitter bio here. That's pretty funny. He said, we're partnering with several central banks to help them research new digital currency projects. It starts with understanding what they want to achieve with this technology, then building transparency, customer privacy, and stability. We're working towards these goals with the new CDC partner program with MasterCard teaming up with a handful of blockchain and Web3 payments providers so we can learn from each other. This exciting new collaboration brought together Ripple, Consensus, Fireblocks, and four other payment companies to create this new forum. And Johnny, obviously they're building central bank digital currencies and they're partnered with Ripple. So I think it's fair to assume here they're going to be using the XRPL in some way, shape, or form. Why don't you give me your two cents? Is this more important than anything else going on with the price action today? Yes, 100%. The price action today is meaningless and worthless. And I know everybody looks at it and gets excited. I don't care. I'm not here for today's price action. I'm here for what you said earlier in the show. When the thing is fully blown and used by all the banking system, that's the price action that I'm here for. <laughs> and that isn't today. So I don't even get I don't even get hung up at what XRP does today. I really don't. I don't care. I look at long term. I'm here for the very, very long term. And that is exciting news to see the ODL, the XRP involves sitting at the table, working with the development of this system by far is the most bullish news. And in fact, I'll be honest with you. If they weren't there at the table right now, I'd be telling you, I'd be worried. I wouldn't be happy. I'd be pissed off and people would be not angry, would be angry probably with the fact that that would not be a bullish shine for Ripple if the one product they create is being developed by a bunch of people and they aren't being considered for it where they have you know one of the solutions for it. That would be very disturbing and to me a huge, not a small red flag, a monster red flag. And, and I'm happy to tell you that we don't need to worry about it because they're sitting there where they should be at the table with the right people getting their two cents, eight cents in and getting their system, hopefully, you know, uh, prototyped and played in this system. That to me is a very, very good thing.
We often ask or we often say the phrase, Johnny, we don't even understand how early we are when it comes to crypto integration. This video is going to break that down for our listeners as HSBC put out a 14.5 trillion dollar prediction when it comes to digital assets over the next half decade. But guys, we already got 300 live listeners here joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out this latest update out of HSBC. Asset space. Northern Trust working together with HSBC. If you're not too familiar with who Northern Trust is, let me just fill you in. Northern Trust is one of the largest banking institutions in the United States and one of the oldest banks. Mm, okay, let's, let's just take a second and look at what they have to say. The rise of a new asset class. DLT and tokenization have the potential to reshape financial markets by creating new asset classes and enabling new business models both of which will accelerate change. And then if we scroll down here, this is what's really going to blow your freaking mind. Asset servicers know that they are operating in an evolving world. We expect that by 2030, approximately 5 to 10% of all assets will be digital, considering that global assets are expected to rise to $145.4 trillion by 2025. This is a substantial number, and it will only continue to increase as technological innovation drives change. Johnny, Citibank put out a document as well stating that they believe $8 trillion in tokenized assets could be coming to the blockchain over the next decade or so. This is an even shorter time frame out of HSBC. They said by 2025, they anticipate $14 trillion in tokenized assets showing up on these blockchains. And where is that going to come from? Right now, the market is sitting at $1 trillion today. So you give me your take. Are we at the precipice of uh, the floodgates opening for financial institutions? Or is this just more opium out of the banks? Well, Abs, I don't know if I'm locking up or if you're locking up. So you guys will let me know. Um, but if I heard your question correctly, I think it's part hopium. I ain't going to lie. But it's also part truth. These banks have to stay ahead of the herd to be able to stay in business. And so we here are early. And as I always say, we're so early that I know for us, it feels like it's late. It's taken forever, but this is how it works. But these banks also have to do their diligence and be ahead of the curve. So there is no doubt that they're looking at this space as a future asset class that's coming. Now, of course, there's some hoping in there because they always, you know, when you project numbers, you inflate them all the time. Some people are conservative. You never know. But so, that yes, there is definitely some hope. I've never seen a projection abs in all my life of all the projections we've made in corporations that I worked for ever be accurate. Okay. It's always higher and always wrong. But nonetheless, it was directionally correct. And that's what's important here. And I think this is also directionally correct that there's a new asset coming. And it's going to be big, bigger than it is today. You know, we're at 1 trillion. You know, are we going to be at, I've seen numbers such as 11, 14, 25, you know, yeah, someday we'll get there. The question is, what's the timing and what's that curve look like to get there? Nobody knows, Abs. And anybody who tells you or anybody provides a prediction for you, I'll tell you right now, you heard it right here on, Johnny, on, on the show, Johnny Crypto, they're going to be wrong. So don't get hung up on that. It's hopium. Just know that you're in a new asset class that's going to grow. Be excited about that because, man, if you got patience and you hold on, the upside potential is huge. 
NFT Tones. I agree with Johnny Crypto. They're sitting at the table when it comes to these discussions. And of course, that's going to give them an advantage. We talked about how Stellar became an official partner of MoneyGram last week, and that gives them a strategic advantage with that product. But look at what Ripple's doing. Ripple's got bigger partnerships with central banks. So why don't you tell me, what does it mean that they're a part of these conversations? I mean, it's huge. I mean, it really takes Ripple to the next step forward. They're really grabbing everybody's attention. I mean, they're working with 20 different countries trying to bring CBDC systems to these countries. It's huge. It's really showing you the future where blockchain is going. It's going to show you that people really care and that people are working to get it around the clock. I mean, this is what's happening behind the scenes, right? I mean, not a lot of people are like knowing about it. It's not in the front center news. It's not on uh, NBC and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like this is kind of hidden. It's it's not really out there. So you have to do your own research and kind of figure it out. And so I, I think that with all this going on, it's showing us that crypto in the future is here to stay. It's vital. It is going to be play an important key factor in the banking system. And this is just what's to come. Andrew, really quick comment before we play the remainder of this video. One of our listeners commented 3.1 trillion was not that long ago. And it reminds me, Dogecoin reached $40 billion in total market cap in 2021. And everyone speculated, speculates about utility coming into this market. This next bull market could be the first time ever where crypto is being adopted by huge financial institutions inside of the United States. So Give me your take when it comes to this institutional adoption. If Bitcoin and sorry, if Dogecoin can reach 40 billion during a bull run, what could we really get from utility on projects like XRP and other banking uh, compatible protocols? You know, I, I know that many, many, many engineers and people are working on, on, uh, on, on the software to make the utility accessible for larger groups of, 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 of uh, companies and, and, and people. So it is. It is just a necessity that that accessibility will will go up, because currently, I mean, we are able to to uh, yeah yeah to to set up a wallet and we know how to send crypto back and forth. But a ton of people they don't ever even have ever heard about a wallet or crypto or whatever. So it really it must the threshold must be lower, and as soon as the threshold becomes lower, with also with the on and off ramps. Then and, and it is more accessible for you and me, even I mean, in gaming, I think there will be a lot of crypto used in gaming in the future. And people won't not even know they are using crypto, for example, to buy a sword or, or, or a special uh, a suit or, or whatever you can, can trade and buy, buy in, uh, in, your, in, your, in your games. But uh, yeah, will it, will it be an enormous bull run? And uh, in, in the next time, maybe in 2024 or 2025, I'm not sure yet what I know. It will go steep up as, as we just saw in, in the other, in the previous bull run in 2021. Um, but it will also go steep down again because we are not there yet. And as soon as, as we are getting there, what you will see is that all that, that steep going up, all those boring cycles will go smoother and smoother. Let me give you a, sm a small example. In 2013, we saw a boring, and it was a 41x from the previous high in the previous boring. In 2017, we saw a 16x to 20k. 
Then in 2021, we saw only a 3x, I talk about uh, Bitcoin, to 68k. So I expect, at least for Bitcoin, I expect, yeah, maybe a 3x, a 4x, maybe a 2x for Bitcoin to go up. And I know there will be many, many smaller coins that will be hyped enormously in the social media. And, and that's, that's where we can make our profits. And, and also those cryptos, you need actually the Merlin application because you cannot keep an eye on all those cryptos at the same time. But if you're in, and then I say no more than two to five hundred dollars, you need to be signaled and to say, hey, this crypto is now up 200, 300, 400, 500 percent and go and, and take your profits. So that, that's how we have, that's how you have to uh, ride these kind of waves. That's some great insight, Andrew. And I think a lot of people who are going through their first crypto bull market need to understand that most of the money, 90% of the money that comes into this market exits on the back end. And that's why we created Merlin. So you can create price targets that you're satisfied with and then sell at those price targets. And we're going to talk about it later in the show, Johnny. But this is an article I found very interesting out of crypto area over the weekend. She said the SEC lawsuit derailed Japan's first crypto asset fund that was planned to have XRP at a 50% ratio, guys. This would be the first digital asset fund approved in Japan, and 50% of it would consist of XRP. If that's not a bombshell catalyst, I don't know what is, Johnny. So before I play the end of that video, you give me your two cents. Was it the lawsuit preventing this innovation? And if so, are we gonna see projects like XRP thrive overseas now? I mean, I don't think the lawsuit prevented innovation in Japan and the rest of the world. Japan has been, SBI has been a huge supporter of Ripple and the technology for ever since I got into this thing in 2020. So they've been around, like, God, they're like the first name I think I remembered seeing tied to it. So I'm not surprised there, and I don't think it held it back there. Do I think it held it back in the U.S.? Absolutely. I think it definitely slowed down those technical conversations those meetings, those initial meetings to sit down at the table and talk about it, I think absolutely there was an impact there. And I think that ball is finally starting to roll now, Abs, and I think you'll see the momentum of that happening. And I think they'll find a way at some point to get around the whole, find some solution. How do you get around You know, being able to purchase the actual asset from Ripple without it being called a security? That piece, I think, still needs to be solved for. But as long as they're sitting down and they're having a talk at the table, that's where it all starts. That's why I'm excited to see Ripple working with, you know, these digital pound foundation projects and the digital dollar projects and, and the BIS. They're on the board. That's huge apps. All that stuff is more significant right now because they're sitting at the table and they're having the conversation. So to me, that's what's important and that's what we want to see continue to happen. Thank you, Johnny. And here's the remainder of this video connecting HSBC to $14.5 trillion in tokenized assets. It's really going to blow your freaking mind. Asset servicers know operating in an evolving world. We expect that by 2030, approximately 5 to 10% of all assets will be digital. Cons assets are expected to rise to $145.4 trillion. This is a substantial number, and it will continue to increase as technological innovation drives change. So let's do 10%, okay? You guys can see that number right here, right? Well, let's just subtract 
percent from that. That is $14.5 trillion. You all see now why they don't want involved? Again, this isn't coming. This isn't make-believe for me. I'm not making these numbers up. This is information that's put out by one of the largest financial institutions in the United States. Think about it, ladies and gentlemen. There's something brewing behind the scenes that I feel like a lot of us can't even fathom. And this, again, is why they don't want you involved. They know. It literally says right here. They know. Asset servicers know that they are operating in an evolving world. They know this is coming. And we know this is coming, Johnny Crypto. We got 348 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And let me know in the live chat if you agree. Will we see $145 trillion in tax assets by 2025? I'm going to guess it's a resounding no. But put a one in the live chat for yes. Put a two in the live chat for no. And Johnny Crypto, I know you want to give your two cents here. And I, I'm excited to hear about it. But there's one video I wanted to play in connection to this. This is from the co-founder and CEO of Coinfield, Bob Ross. And it's actually from 2019. What I think this video highlights is the natural migration into better technologies as we go into this next bull run. I'm going to play this video and then just jump right in, Johnny. Here we go. Before you mentioned that uh, XRP is a lot faster and cheaper to do this, but it doesn't have the same smart contract potential as Ethereum, or is it not those sort of features that you really need to do this? Uh, some people probably are not going to love that, but XRP offers you much better and a stronger technology than Ethereum. It doesn't mean that I'm against Ethereum. No, I'm not against either. No, I like Ether. Uh, I, I have personal investment in it, you know, so that, that's a great, great technology and, and coin. But uh, that, it's, it's our opinion, you know. Yeah, it offers better technology, and that will, that's why we selected XRP. Yeah, I guess my question was: you, you don't need that smart contract capability of Ethereum to do. They do have very similar, uh, basically features. You know, you can in XRP ledger. Okay. There are smart contracts as well. So, so yeah, fantastic. I, I didn't know they were that. And so the reason I wanted to play that, Johnny, is because if HSBC, Bank of America, and a lot of these trillion-dollar firms are going to be using this technology, they're not going to be using Ethereum. It's too slow. It's too, it's not cost-effective. And even in 2019, guys like Coinfield CEO understood that. So I'm going to go to you and then kick it to Andrew. Yeah. So I think at the end of the day, Abs, you know, there, there I've heard other people in the space who are. Uh, way more technically knowledgeable than I am in this space in terms of the actual, you know, the code behind it and all that. Uh, saying that, you know, XRP or the Ripple, the uh, the ledger will need some kind of smart contract capability that doesn't have today. Um, so, and we know that Ripple's working on side chains to do stuff like that. So we'll have to see how that whole thing plays out. I mean, maybe, you know, that element of it comes from a different layer within the system. And, you know, maybe Ethereum's leverage for that. I don't know the answer as to where it's going to play out. All I know is that they provide a bulk of the solution that I think will be leveraged. And I'm certainly sure that as they are part of this system, and this is why I was telling you earlier, it's so important that they're sitting at the table right now with the BIS and with the digital uh, dollar projects. The reason why that's important, okay, it's because as they're going through these trials and these tests with these companies, 
they're going to learn what's missing or what they need, right? It's no different like when we develop Merlin, right? There's certain things we learned along the way and we develop them as we need them. So the, the thing is that's going to happen here as well with Ripple. And the fact that they're there and they're going to be able to learn like, oh, okay, this is what we need to do. This is what we don't have. Then they're going to figure out, you know, the best way to go get it. Either they're going to get it from a third party or they'll develop, you know, they've got a lot of coders internally. They're a huge company. They'll develop it internally. So for me, when I tell you I'm excited that they're at the table, it's because I think any knocks on the technology that you hear people talking about will be built in or they'll fill those gaps as they learn what they need to provide the solution. But the problem is we're so damn early, right? That even they don't even know what they need yet. And, and but yet we it feels like it's late because we've been here forever and people are impatient, and that's the problem. Let, let, let me say something about it. I see that the race is not yet run between uh, Ethereum and XRP. Because uh, and then I come back to technology, engineers and, and, and developers are very brilliant people. And if you see how many developers are in Ethereum already working on the slow. Uh, 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 transaction speed with ZK rollup with Ma Mate Polygon, you know, there's so much stuff can be done to speed stuff stuff up. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 it, it will be a race, and all the systems. I mean, we also know systems from from back at at, at the 80s and 90s that were running on COBOL. And they were able to 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 uh, yeah to 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 upgrade it over and over again. And I'm sure that, that because there is so much money in Ethereum that and so many involved people that um, yeah, they will figure stuff out. And I'm really curious who, who will win this race, but I think there will not be a winner. There will be certain applications that will be on Bitcoin, certain application types that will be on Ethereum, certain application types will be on, on XRP. And so you will see a whole uh, 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 yeah. overview, a whole landscape of different blockchains doing different functionality. And as soon as you start interconnecting all those blockchains together, then then really the, the, the it's game on. And uh, the, the, yeah, for me, the, 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 there's so much possible. So just to say, yeah, XR, uh, Ethereum is too slow and, and XRP is fast, maybe at the moment. I agree with you, Andrew, and I do want to discuss a regulatory free pass that we're seeing today. The SEC is expected to approve an Ethereum futures ETF by October of this year, Johnny. But let's go back to what was broken down in this video. HSBC is predicting 5 to 10% of all assets will be digital by 2030. And they're even anticipating that by 2025, we could see 145 trillion in tokenized assets. Now, the equation that he did on the screen was if 10% of that lands on any of these blockchains, that is $14 trillion coming to the public blockchain. I just want to ask you, do you believe we're on the precipice of like a mass tokenization moment? Or I'm not really sure. What do you what do you think? What does this mean to you? Well, I don't think we're on the precipice of mass tokenization, meaning like this year, if that's what you mean. Uh, but do I think that we're talking about tokenization over the next five to 10 years? Yeah, I certainly think you're going to see more and more of stuff becoming digital, becoming tokenized, becoming part of the blockchain, DLT. I think we're, we're, we're heading there, but God, we're so early. I mean, I don't think that the to the extent to where, like the guy talked about $145 trillion, right? 
They say, oh, if we get 10%, it's $14 trillion. Yeah, okay. And that, you know, maybe that's a realistic number. But when is that going to happen? It ain't going to happen this year. <laughs> it's going to be quick. Well, let's uh, talk you know, about that's crypto. As we move into this new world order, one of the things that's going to become more clear is centralized systems are good. Decentralized systems are bad because the central banks will benefit off of these products. Well, we got 340 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out this latest update because I'm going to be asking our community what they think. Kill crypto and introduce CBDCs, and they have to kill cash. 100%. So what do they have to do? They have to introduce systems that show that the current ecosystem is unsafe. So crypto, unsafe. Let's let's introduce a Trojan horse like Sam Bankman-Fried, mm. fund his ass, yep. get him propped up, get the little uh, vegan autistic kid to run the show, make it look good, altruistic as fuck, yep. and then we'll just scam. Wow. And we'll just run it that way. And mm. dude, if you don't think the CIA is out here running psyops on crypto in order to destabilize it, you're wrong. It's absolutely happening. But mm. it's not only happening in the crypto global currency that is trying to compete with the United States. Sure. But we also have to understand it from this side of the aisle. Yeah. Think about all the guys that are worth tens of billions of dollars secretly yeah. inside of America sure. that want that need to preserve and conserve their wealth. And most of their wealth is in dollars. These guys are going to go to war for their money. 100%. They're going to go to war for their purchasing power. Yeah. So what you're seeing right now is you're seeing the big, big dogs move. And the big dogs are moving as we speak. Johnny Crypto, I'm going to give you the floor before we kick it to Andrew. Do you agree with him? For for centralized currencies to become digital, they got to de- they got destroy decentralized currencies in the process. Abs, I, I wish I was at home because I would hold up my sign right now, and you all know my sign very well, what it says. And we told you they would be telling you that narrative forever and ever. And if you remember the sign, it says crypto is bad and CBDCs are good. You literally just heard the guy say that. That's exactly the narrative. We told you a year and a half ago this was going to happen. You were going to hear that narrative. You're hearing it. You're seeing it. You're living it. You're breathing that narrative. Um, So, you know, no surprise there. We knew that was going to be the narrative. Now, what's interesting is what he said there to me was where he talked about it's a battle for the dollar. He's right. There's multi-millionaires and billionaires yeah i don't travel with my side you know what mike i think i'd have to make a separate side and bring it i have to bring a side here where we have but anyway abs what's important that he talked about there is the battle the battle for the, well, the billionaires i call this the battle of the bees the battle of the billionaires you got billionaires out there that have a ton of money and they need to get out of the dollar because they see it coming the billionaires are smart and they know they're going to lose their purchasing power and where are they going to go well there's probably two places other than real estate so there's three um, they're probably going to put their money in, obviously, gold. And we've already seen that happening because we've seen the biggest purchase of gold ever over the past few years. And secondly, m- maybe you're going to see some of them move into Bitcoin apps. That's what I think is going to happen. But time will tell. This is a cool article here. As just in, under the new proposed plan in Thailand, every citizen older than 16 with a digital wallet on their phone would receive $280 worth of a central bank digital currency. However, if it was not spent within six months and also within a four kilometer radius of their residence, it would be burned. So these wow. are. Wow. Right? All right. Wow. Give, Andrew, give your two cents. I can actually connect this even more, Johnny. So what I was going to do is connect this article to an article I had about um, the Ethereum co-founder Vitalik Buterin. Look at this, guys. Ethereum co-founder Vitalik Buterin receives a Taiwan employment gold card, allowing him to work in Taiwan for three-year periods at a time. I want to draw this to the central bank digital currency connection, but what do you think, Johnny Crypto? We've got 
two massive developments here. First of all, Taiwan offering a CBDC, but it has to be spent within four kilometers of your house, which is very, very interesting. So comment there. Give me your take. Well, I mean, that is a four letter word for that. That's a test. That's it. It's a test. They're running a test to see, is this thing going to fly? Will people be willing to spend money that they know is going to expire if we give it to them for free within a certain range of time? I mean, this is literally a test for uh, a combination, in my opinion, of a smart city plus a uh, UBI. I mean, that's what it sounds like. It's UBI plus smart city equals what you just described, uh, where you're keeping everything within a very short period of time and uh, with an expiration where it can only be spent in a certain area. That, that's literally the very, very concern you're seeing our congressmen having and raising to Jerome Powell about CBDCs. And, but to me, there it is. Andrew, we had a good conversation before the show started today, and we discussed how X, formerly known as Twitter, was going to be doing KYC in certain locations. So they're going to have their users take a picture of a government ID with a selfie, and then they'll be able to make payments on the application. Now, I said I didn't like the idea, and the reason was if you're connecting your Twitter to your government-issued ID, you're only one step away from a social credit score. And everybody who used to talk about social credit scores speculation, this is the news out of China today. As China proposes to bring its social credit system into the metaverse, and I'm going to throw this line in here, eventually into reality. Andrew, I'd like to get your take with the CBDC and the social credit scores. What does this all mean to you? It gets scarier and scarier and scarier. We have seen the story with truckers in, uh, in, during the, the, the sea uh, pandemic uh, in, in Canada. You know, they were cut off on their bank accounts. And the next step is uh, uh, when you say something which is not in line with, 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 with the general uh, wishable things you say, you, you can also be uh, yeah, canceled. Or, so it, it's, yeah, it's scary. So that's why we need to go as fast as possible and support that. We need decentralization in a lot of stuff. And I think it will come. You know, when there is one power on one side, there will exist, or there will, there, there will, there will come another power on the other side. So that's same with the, with the, with the social media channels. I'm sure that that uh, that that other channels also like uh, like like uh, like YouTube and, and, and Facebook, other other channels will come up which is more uh, decentralized and where you own your your stuff and 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 yeah. You know, so it's a scary situation what, what happens, but, you know, always don't be afraid, look positive and think about opportunities, what you can do. That, that's, uh, that's at least how I, uh, how I look at it. And KYC, yeah, they already know everything from you. So uh, uh, it's also on the crypto exchanges, uh, banks in the Netherlands, they fill in your tax return or the, the government already fills in your tax return with your banking information, so you only have to, to sign it. So that, that's where we are already. Not, not sure where you are in the US at that point. So they know already everything from you. And uh, yeah, we'll see how it, uh, how it develops. And Johnny, we're going to go rapid fire here because we just got a couple of topics with only 10 minutes left in the show. This is a funny topic. This is Washington, D.C.'s advertising. And Ripple actually put up four new advertisements in Washington, D.C. That's that slogan was progress prevails. Crypto means business. And that's a direct message from Ripple. Now, why is this funny? Where are these advertisements located, Johnny? That would 
be on the same block as the Securities and Exchange Commission's office in Washington. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say shots are being fired from the FEC. Give me your take. This is more of a funny topic, but what do you think? Oh, that's priceless. You want to talk about sticking a thumb in the eye. Oh, my God. I love it. You know they targeted that. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> and I, I did think it was that. funny that the for the entire campaign was progress prevails for Ripple. But this is a more serious topic, and I know Gonzo was in the live chat. He was talking about it earlier. Ethereum's co-founder Vitalik Buterin sends 1 million Ethereum to Coinbase over the weekend, which is actually about 600 uh, Ethereum tokens were deposited onto the exchange. So Ethereum's co-founder deposited 600 Ethereum into Coinbase on Monday, and this was done by looking at the Etherscan network, or at least on their website. So Johnny, what do you think? A million dollars, it's really nothing when it comes to guys like Vitalik. Alec, but people are making a big deal out of this on Twitter. So is this worthy of note? Uh, I don't know, Abs. You know, this this uh I try to not really pay attention to Vitalik, to be honest with you. You know? Um so uh, I I don't I don't know what to make of it. I mean, to be honest with you, he's kind of insect. I kind of try to I can give my two cents because I, I do yeah. think it's kind of what Gonzo said. It's more of just probably has living expenses, probably has bills to pay. He's probably just taking a little bit of profit during this market. We have to use cash to pay our bills. A million dollars is peanuts for a guy like Vitalik Buterin. I think he's, I mean, consensus owns what, 70% of Ethereum? And he has a main stake in that. So he's a multi, multi-billionaire. A million dollars is like us going to the grocery it's store. Like, I believe, well, you but. know what that is? That's like 10 bucks. Like, oh, here, here, here's $10. You know, just pull out a pocket. There. That's, <laughs> that's like 10 bucks. You know what I mean? So... You know, to go and send it there, I don't know. Maybe he's going to buy some. Maybe he wants to buy some other, you know. Maybe he's working with Hinman again, and they're working on buying something else that's going to be talking about in a few years. I have no idea. I'm not I'm not that really concerned about what Vitalik is doing right now. I'm more concerned about where the industry is moving forward. Is the needle moving forward? Are we seeing good, healthy conversations in Congress about, putting things in place to move this industry forward. That, frankly, is what I really care about because I know at the end of the day what it takes to get an industry going is, A, no legal concerns. Because if there's a legal concern, industry yep. won't move forward. So you need to get that out of the way. And, and to me, that's always going to be the number one stumbling block and so, frankly, I'm looking for that block to be completely removed because you can see the industry is trying to move forward today. There's a lot of innovation and development happening. But, boy, man, if we had some clear regulation, I think you'd see things move a lot, lot faster. And this is a topic I wanted to share, and I wanted to get Andrew's take on this as well, as well as NFT Tones. The SEC filed their official official appeal process last week, and this uh, user commented, I don't think Ripple will be happy with this section at all. So in this document, I'm going to read the highlighted thing, and then I'll kick it to the group. The SEC will also seek discovery related to a for injunctive monetary relief. So what is Ripple being accused of here? Ripple's own publicly available XRP markets report disclosed that Ripple has continued to sell XRP only in connection to ODL transactions. This court has already found that Ripple's ODL transactions violate Section 5. Moreover, these publicly available XRP market reports show that Ripple has made an additional approximately $3 billion US dollars in net unregistered ODL sales since the filing of this case. Since 2020, Ripple's made $3 billion in cash 
from their ODL system. Andrew, I'm going to kick it to you. Do you think Ripple's shaking in their boots or is this expected for them? I mean, I have to laugh about it. They just, the, it looks like they don't give a, now yeah, S dot dot dot. I mean, they, they're just continuing and then, then you may expect something like this. And how, what do you think? How Gary Gensler and the SEC feels about this case? They lost it. So they will grab everything which, which is possible to, uh, to, to, to make at least a small other win. So yeah, it, it's funny, but yeah, is it, is it, uh, is it is, is it is it good from 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 Ripple to do this? I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. What do you think, Tones? Maybe you can sell, t- tell something about NFTs still. I mean, it's definitely it's definitely interesting. It's it's something that I mean, I just find it interesting. I mean, it's concerning to me when you look at it because when you think about. The ODL sales, what, what, God, I wish we had a Respolio and attorney coming on soon because I would love to know. I understand that the institutional sales were, were marked as uh, a security in the fashion that it was done in that way. What I have a question for an attorney, and maybe one, one of these doesn't get one of them on. Here's the question, Abs. The $64,000 question is if Ripple sells. Anything through the LDL now, today, this day moving forward. And if they change the approach in which they did it, where maybe they don't promise a return or they change the pitch, I wonder then if it qualifies for security. Because remember, to qualify as a security, you have to meet the four elements of the Howey test. And one of them is it's an institution, so they meet that. Two is an investment contract. Three, you have to promise a return. Well, what if they don't promise a return, Right. What if it's just, hey, here's a technology that you can leverage to move funds around, and it's not in the return? I wonder if that changes it. And it's I don't know the answer, but it's a question I would love to hear an attorney tell us. If they took that approach, is it then not a security, and therefore then they could sell it? That is the key question. And as Joshua always says... Questions more important than the answer. So what I found so what I found so interesting is if they knew it violated section five already, why would they continue to sell it? That's that's the one thing that has me concerned. And that's well, why well, 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 wait, 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 wait. So the question though is we don't know they were continuing to sell it while the court case is pending. They didn't know it was gonna be a violation. They didn't know it was gonna be a violation until the court yep. case got a ruling, which was maybe a month ago. The question is. Since the ruling, have they been selling? If they have, well, then they're, you know, then they're, that's a knucklehead move right now, unless they've done something different. So that is the other question to answer. Sorry, yeah, you moving. hear the story from one side, you don't know really the details, how it is. Exactly. It is up and so what, what the next articles will follow in this case? And here's what's important, guys. XRP is not a security. And even during this SEC's appeal process, that's not up for dispute. As Whalewire reiterates here, numerous mainstream media sources are stating that the SEC plans to challenge the court's ruling that XRP is not classified as a security. This is false. It not only offers 
It's only about offers and sales. And the SEC even admitted themselves that XRP is not a security and it won't be appealing that portion of the ruling. But guys, we got 301 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And we're going to close this thing out the same way we always do by saying thank you to each one of our special guests. I'm going to say thank you to NFT Tones. Thank you to Johnny. And thank you to Andrew Caslow himself. We'll see you guys in 23 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, ah, we just get together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's go.